0: at something this morning I think will will be a help. God's word is always a help, so just just be praying the Lord will work on your heart this morning. Um, Let's start in verse 6. I'm not going to focus there with that too much. There's something I want to get to later on in this text, but let's start in verse 6. He says, For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. The Apostle Paul knows he's getting ready to die. He's going to be executed uh, for his faith. He knows that time is close. This is the last epistle that he is going to pen. In verse 7 says, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, but not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. We, we, we've been dealing with this as we're going through the book of Acts and just getting a part of that now with his relationship that he had with Timothy and how close that was. Um, we looked at on his first missionary journey, this is when he would have met him. Um, but anyway, let's continue. He says, but verse 10 now. I'm going to look at two men here. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed unto Thessalonica. Now you have the advantage... Uh, of us going through the 1st and 2nd Thessalonians right now, keep in mind what the city of Thessalonica was like. You're seeing why he went there. It was a wicked place. The capital of Macedonia, it was key, very cosmopolitan. The wickedness, though, that was there. He's not going to the believers in Thessalonica. Understand that. That's not where he's going. Um Presence to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. And then here's the other man I want to take notice of this morning besides Demas. That is Mark. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you. Lord, I thank you for your word. Lord, I ask for your grace and your mercy. Lord, please use me this morning. Number one, help me to stay true to your word. Uh, Lord, help me stay faithful to it. And Lord, may you be glorified and honored by all that's said. Lord, I pray that you use your spirit with your word to work on our hearts and draw us closer to you, please. Lord, work on our hearts and show us those areas, uh, uh, the areas we need help in, the areas we need encouragement in, Uh, Lord, so please do the work only you can do. And Lord, I certainly pray for those that are present that have never truly been converted. Lord, I pray for that conviction and that drawing that even this morning they repent and place their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, may you be glorified and honored. I pray and ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. We've all heard the saying many times, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And we certainly see that played out with different, Characters here, different men in the Bible in the, in the section that we just read. And we see it played out in the popular children's story, the tur- tortoise and the hare. And, and what takes place there. Paul, the man who wrote this epistle, of course, was a man who did both. He started well and he finished well. That's what he did. He started well and he finished well. And that's what we all certainly want to accomplish. But there's a man that he brings up here, is Demas. He mentions him. He's going to mention Mark as well. Demas was a fellow worker with Paul. We know he's mentioned basically just three times in Scripture that we're going to see him. Uh, It at Colossians, Philemon, and here. Um, Two of the times, it's basically in a good manner, an honorable way, with men that he was close with. You know who he was close with? Luke and Paul. Those are some really good men. That's who he was around, was those good men. He was fellow workers with him, a servant, a help to him. But Paul says here, Demas left him having loved this present world. He took off to Thessalonica. Hmm. We all know some Demases. We all know those who at one time may were excited for the things of God. But for whatever reason, whether it's the allurements of this world grab them and they're gone. Whether it's just maybe with demons, maybe it was just the, 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 the pressures of the world that was taking place in following Paul. Even right now, the pressures of the world on our churches, they're changing dramatically. The hatred for our country against Christians is at a level that our nation has never seen before. And so we're seeing mass compromise take place because of our natural desire to want to be accepted where we live. But as we're learning the Bible principles that us as Americans have always struggled with, we are to be pilgrims and strangers in this world. Demas can teach us certain things. This is still by way of introduction. I'll get into the message here in a minute. Demas is one who certainly warns us of the great danger... Of substituting relationship with believers for a growing relationship with Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. You need to be around the people that genuinely want to serve God. Really, that's what you need. You need those friendships. You need that acquaintance. That's a good thing. But that's not enough. Don't substitute that for your own walk with God. Something was wrong with Demas behind the scenes. Hanging out with those spiritually minded, being around those, having that company. That's wise. But it is no substitute for your own walk with God. And a walk that is genuine. Not just checking your box. Not just saying that you did it. So you, Not just saying that you did it. To be able to come up at testimony time and say, you know, I've done this, I've done this. Listen, have the right motive. Ministry activity cannot replace a love for God. That's what it's all about. But we assume ministry activity can do just that. Perhaps, I don't know, the Bible doesn't get too specific with it. But it's possible that's what happened to Demas. He had such ministry activity, but there was no genuine strong foundation with him and his walk with God. Maybe it was the hardships, again, he saw in Paul's life. And that affecting his own life being difficult as well. I mean, let's face it. I've talked about it many times when I preach on Paul. I mean, the simple question I was asked is this. Did Paul's life get easier or harder after he came to know Christ? There's no question how much more difficult it became. Yet you find that same man writing the book of Philippians to the church at Philippi. 17 times in 102 verses mentioning joy while he's writing from a Roman prison. He understood what it was about. Maybe it wasn't the difficulties. Maybe all of a sudden he got focused on the wrong things. Maybe the devil got in and got a hold of his mind and got his mind off where it should have been. Get focused on something else. I, I don't know. I know it could have been several things we see in Scripture. Maybe like, the, maybe like the prodigal son. All of a sudden the stories of the world are previous memories of the melons and what he had before in Egypt. Maybe those things began to grab him. And for our, our, our young people and young adults that are coming up. Listen, don't, don't, don't believe those lies in your head of what you're missing in this world. Listen. You're simply missing sin and heartache. Whatever it was, we know this. The man forsook the Apostle Paul, having loved this present world, and took off the Thessalonica. It's interesting that in the next verse the man that Paul brings up to say, here's who I want you to bring with you. Take Mark. Go get Mark. He's profitable to me. Mark, as we know, is a man who first, well, first time we see Mark is in Acts chapter 12. Acts chapter 12, when they're praying, when they're praying for Peter's release from prison and the miraculous happens right there. And, and uh, that's the first time we see him mentioned in Scripture. He's mentioned, I want to read the very last, but he's mentioned twice in that chapter. The last verse says this, in verse 25, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem, uh, uh, when they had fulfilled their ministry, and took with them John, whose surname was Mark. All right, so now we have, now we have John Mark hooking up with the Apostle Paul. He heads off to the church that was incredible, which we've been looking look at. to the church at Antioch. From there, the first missionary journey takes place. God calls them out, and they bring John, Mark, with them. We see him mentioned, verse five, verse thirteen. When we see him, of course, in verse number. Let me get into it here. Over in chapter fifteen. Let me get over in chapter fifteen where I need to be here. <clears throat> John, Mark, as we know, returned, but then we see the dispute, which is where we're at in the book of Acts right now. We're getting ready to get into the second missionary journey. This is the exact section we're going to be at. And in verse 37, we're going to get into this dispute that takes place. Verse 37, and Barnabas determined to take with him John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought it not good. So here's Barnabas, though. All of a sudden, he's still back in a place where he wants to serve. We know that. We don't have it here being said in Scripture that Barnabas was trying to encourage John Mark to go. John Mark does want to go. And we'll cover the the elements of that dispute when we get into it here in a couple of weeks. But the disagreement takes place. The next time we see Mark in Scripture is going to be in Colossians. He's also in Philemon. He's serving. He's with Paul. He's serving. Then the last time we haven't mentioned, well, he's also in First Peter, as now he's with Peter. It's referred to at that last chapter, Marcus, my son. Almost all agree that that is referring to John Mark. Think about the comeback he made, because he's the one who's credited with the gospel of Mark. He starts off as a young man on that first missionary journey, and we talked about it when we went through it, when John Mark quit and went back. With what he was experiencing at that time, when they got there, when they got into Seleucia, and John Mark gets out of, gets out of town. But the rest of his days, the man stayed so faithful, so much so, that this man who had failed and quit, the Lord used him to pin in one of the four Gospels the grace of God. The grace of God's amazing. Mark did not start strong, but he did finish strong. That's certainly what we all want to do. Mark got right back in the game after failure. He ended up enduring, he ended up persevering again, we see a lot of people who set off to serve Christ, but don 't last there's many different why, some simply because the Bible teaches us they're not saved now, that's a huge one. some just simply aren't saved all of a sudden especially in the day we live in with the with the 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 difficulty in standing for Christ more and more in the day we live in, that's going to weed out a lot of those who are simply a false confessor of Christ. But many of us know someone who at one time was very faithful and serving, but now cannot be found in a single church service in a year's time. You can hear the excuses abound as to Why? Usually placing the blame on somebody else. Um, because it, that's what's needing in a church. Because right here in this building is full of sinners. It is. I mean, Greg's my head deacon. I can't stand that guy. If I don't want a reason to quit church, I can just look at Greg's life and quit church. No, he's a faithful, faithful man. Except he skipped communion on purpose because he didn't want to take it on Sunday night. I know. No, actually, I I called him up, and he he sounded—he really—he sounded the worst I've ever heard him sound on the phone. Of course, he knew I was calling, and he had Ruth punch him in the face real quick, and then he answered the phone. Is how he did that. But I'm going to look at some areas to help us finish strong. To help us finish. I want to cover, this certainly isn't exhaustive, but I want to cover some, what I consider to be definitely primary areas that can help you finish strong. Number one is this. Well, you need the right purpose in your life. You do. You need the right purpose in your life. You know, we can see with the apostle Paul, he truly looked at himself, and, and, and let us know we also need to have that same outlook on life. He looked at himself as an ambassador for Christ. Uh, truly, just think of that for a second. How the purpose that that gave him. I mean, this was a man we talked about often, who all he wanted to do was magnify Christ. Remember when he's in prison in Philippians chapter 1 and he, and he gives that, that, that purpose in Philippians chapter 1 when they were worried about him. He's in prison. He doesn't know if he's going to be executed. He wasn't executed. But he didn't know that when he wrote the epistle yet. He has other preachers talking bad about him. Other preachers are coming in simply because they wanted the glory and, and, and they're talking bad about him. And so he writes this letter back to the church at Philippi. He basically tells them, I'm all right. I'm good. And he makes this statement that is absolutely incredible. Often we focus on the simple verse, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain, but the powerful one is before it. That's the key. He says this. What then? Notwithstanding, he's talking about all that he's been going through. Notwithstanding, every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preaching, I dare and do rejoicing and will rejoice. For I know uh, that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. Now this verse 20. According to my earnest expectation and my hope. Here's what the guy lived for. That in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always now, so now also, Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. It's about magnifying Christ. Even though he's in a prison right now, doesn't know what's going to happen, he could have moped and God, I don't understand why I'm here. He's not out signing Bibles. He's in a prison. You want to know why he could still have joy sitting in that prison? Because he understood what it was actually all about. My earnest expectation. What he wanted was this, God to be glorified with his life. Even though his name was being run down, no, no. Paul. It's so refreshing. Paul was not about his name. It was about God's name. So I said, whether in pretense or in truth. He said, "No, God will take care of that." He knew that. He just wanted Christ honored. That was it. I'm not, you know. I said, "I'm not getting involved in all that. I don't care about that. It's not about my name." He said, "What I'm living for isn't my name right now. Because if he was, by the way, he'd be miserable in that prison." He'd be miserable. The guy had the right purpose. You know why a lot of people get burned out? They have the wrong purpose. They substitute activity for a relationship. I got news for you: the Christian life isn't about your activity. It's about God. From that should flow the relationship. Within Paul's purpose, even in contextually speaking, when he talked about being an ambassador for Christ, know what he said his motivation was? The love of Christ constraineth me. He loved God. That's why. That's why he wanted to serve. It was his purpose. Look over in 1 Samuel chapter 17. verse 23 This is when David shows up when the nation under King Saul was getting ready to fight the Philistines and Goliath is in of course But I want I want you to notice a difference here It says and, and as he talked as David talked with them behold there came up the champion the Philistine uh, the champion the Philistine of Gath Goliath by name out of the armies of the Philistines and spake according to the same words and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely to divide, defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king, will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Now this is the key to David. Many people like to jump down to verse 29 where he said, is there not a cause? He's referencing the charge of his brother there. That's all he's doing. But you can see the great purpose of David right here. And David spake to the men that stood by him saying, this is the strength of it. What should be done to this man that killed the Philistine? In other words, there's no question Goliath is dying. There's no question. He said, what should be done to the man that killeth? Not... If it happens. And take away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? You know what David had? That the others did not. The right purpose. David hears this and all that. And David's there. Could you imagine David? And he's a teenager at the time. Right? He's not even in the army. Goliath comes out. And David's like, who is this guy? He, he, he thinks he's a mock God? And then he sees the army. Men are just afraid. He's like, wait a second. What's going on? Do we serve the living God or not? Remember, David actually truly believed the only way Goliath could win is if he could defeat God. Somebody had the right purpose. And guess of the army of Israel compared to David, who persevered. David. See, there's a lot of things. As you, as you start off serving God, you want to do what's right, and you need to get to that place in your life, if you have it. But i got news for you. Giants are going to rise up immediately. If you're just going to cower, down. So I didn't expect this. You're not understanding what the Christian life is about. It is about faith. God will put you in situations where you face giants. So that when they go down, just like the army of Israel, you're like, wow, what just happened? You know what happens in those moments? God gets glory and you don't. When you're doing things and accomplishing things so where you get glory, it's not of God. It's not. It's those moments when God gets And everybody knows. Yeah, well, I'm going to move on. I have a lot to cover. I, I could focus right there for a while. We see Paul's purpose. We see it with David. We see it, with the, we see it even with the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, being the Son of God. And all that he had to endure. We get into Hebrews chapter 12. And, and all, all that he was had to go through and becoming sin, the suffering, the, the isolation, the loneliness, all that God Almighty was going through and becoming sin for you and taking your punishment in your place. He said who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. You know what that speaks of? He knew the purpose behind it. And he, this, and he thus, excuse me, endured. We've got to have the right purpose. You've got to have the right focus. Listen, that focus cannot be on self. It has to be on God. You see, the devil the devil can use your activity in a church where you're focused on self, where you basically make it about you. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. You're going to be like this. That's all you're going to be. That's all you're going to be. You're going to be like this. Because I'm going to let you down. I'll just let you know that right now. I'll forget to shake your hand. I'll forget to call. I'll do that. The Lord never will. Make it about Him. <clears throat> So, how do we get to the place of purpose? Look over in Psalm 42. Let's examine a man who had it that we know. I want to look at a key in his life. Remember, it's all about God. It is you're going to get the purpose, you've got to focus on that. Because the devil is great. He can use so many different things when he sees you want to serve God. He can grab hold of something called ambition in your heart. And set you on a wrong course when you think you're right. Remember, the Pharisees actually thought they were close to God, didn't they? They believed that. They weren't. Let's look at this. As the heart, verse 1, As the heart paneth, after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after Thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? Boy, look at that heart there. You know that's one of those verses. Even as you are reading your devotions and going through, it, that's one of the verses that just grabs you and you stop, and you see that. You see such a desire for God. It's in, this, it's in this place that the right purpose begins to form in your life. When the desire, the heart, the soul is for God. <clears throat> that desire, the desire to be used, the desire to make it God, I just, whatever you want, whatever it is, When I remember when I surrendered to surrendered to preach, going all the way back to 1987 at 16, 17 years old, and again, first one saved in my family, and 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 had da- been doubting it, going against it for a- almost a year at that time, just truly, truly did not believe God could use me in that fashion. I just did not. I thought I had this desire wrong, um, and. You know, you've, I've told the story. The first time I preached, it was a disaster. I never wanted to do it again, ever. And then, boy, it was so, so strong. And I knew, I knew in that moment, this is God. And I went forward to surrender pray. I didn't tell anybody. Didn't make a show of it. I didn't do that. I did let my pastor know. After the service, I just went forward and got on my knees and prayed. And said, Lord, I I told him, I know this is you, and I'll preach. One thing I'm, I'm glad I didn't get swept away in that was so common then, it wasn't a desire to be great for God. It was a desire to love him and serve him. Lord, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. We've lost so many who have come in because pride, which is a sin that if you even going through your Proverbs this morning, again, you were reminded even today of how much God hates pride. But even use pride as a motivator for our service. Incredible. What needs to form the purpose so it's not just activity apart from God is where your soul is at before him. The desire for God. The creator. The one who knows every single hair on your head. Who knows every thought you have. Who yet, who knows us and how wicked we are, and yet he still loves us. And I think another thing that helps with our purpose is this. Listen, you begin to form the purpose. Listen, it's a spiritual battle. It is. Don't, don't, don't shy away from it. Just be willing to do what's in place. God gives the strength for this. I'm going to cover that. He gives the strength for it. Go at it. it it's, it's, it's like we're so weak today. Oh, a battle? I don't want to do that. No. We have a short time to live for the Lord. Get in the fight. The devil will come in and try and skew your, your purpose. There's an illustration kind of mine I've used before. Um, I don't know if I used. Yeah, I think I've used it here too. I know I used it in Men of Faith before. But you can take three different men, let's say, and each of those men, they're all working on a wall, building a church house. All right, they're all laying their bricks. They're all laying their bricks. You got one. Each of them are, you know, they're getting a brick, putting the cement down, getting a brick, putting it down. You got the second man. They're all doing that. And then, and then you decide to go and talk to him. You ask the first man, "What are you doing?" He says, "Well, I'm laying bricks." You go to the second man. You ask him, "What are you doing?" He says, I'm building a wall. Then you go to the third man and you ask him, what are you doing? I'm building a church. Which one lasts till the job is done? Which one has joy when he shows up for work? The one with the right perspective. See, the devil wants you to think you're just laying bricks. That's all you're doing. Look, there's nothing really getting done. Oh, you don't see what the Lord's doing. You don't see what he's doing. You've got to protect that perspective. Have that love for God, the right perspective. God can put it in that purpose where it becomes all about God in your life. Again, the more entangled you are in this world, the less vision you're going to have for this purpose. And you put those goals in your life. You set them up. Again, we've heard it said, if you aim at nothing, you hit it every time. You set legitimate goals up in your life. All right, I will read my Bible and I will pray every day and I'll make it real. I don't want to do it just to check the box. You put that goal in place. And then from that moment on, again, I have stressed, it is so important how you identify with yourself. At that moment on, you don't say, I'm going to try and do that. You say, no, no, no. I am. From that moment... Even more that first morning, I am a person who reads my Bible and prays every day. Because how you identify is what you're going to fulfill. And that's truth. You find somebody who's late to everything and he identifies as that, that'll never change to the day he changes his identity and says, I'm no longer a person who is late. Know it, he'll be on time. I've given the example for you, take two men trying to quit smoking. Take them both. Go to the first one and you offer him a cigarette and he says, No, I'm trying to quit. Go to the second man and he says, No, I've quit. Which one makes it? The one who changed his identity. We have a new identity in Christ. We do. Don't be identifying with the old man. This is what Romans chapter 6 is all about. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Set those goals up in your life. All right, I'm going to pass out a track a day, two tracks a day. Terry Thrun, the missionary in New Guinea, pastored in in West Point, Mississippi. Now how he got saved? He was in the Navy and somebody walked by and handed him a gospel track. That's how he got saved. I read this once. I can't remember where. I should have wrote down my source. Think of how you would like your biography to be read and then write it by living it. Set those goals up in your life. That all helps with purpose, but there's something else here. I'm not going to get nearly through this message. I might continue it next week. Let me cover This one's big. We can have the right purpose, but boy, at times, circumstances can all of a sudden get so overwhelming. You can get in that, we're flesh. doesn't matter. You understand, by what I'm describing for you to do is right, but it doesn't remove the power of your flesh. It doesn't. You can be hit with things so hard that uh, it just seems to stop all the momentum. The... Look at Second Corinthians chapter 4. And if you're going to endure, if you're going to persevere to the end, this has to be in place. You're never going to get on track with dealing with the first point I dealt with, the importance of purpose. This one, though. mm. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 is is one of many chapters I like in the Bible. It's one of my favorites. I'm sure it's in my top ten of favorite chapters in the Bible. Uh, It's one that I, I often go to when... Things are overwhelming It's 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul, whose whose example and the life he lived, he covers in this chapter how difficult his life was. The trials he went through. I want to look just at the last couple of verses here. Verse 16, he says this. He's, He's went through everything, how difficult life has been on him. He says this in verse 16. Look at this advice he gives. This principle he gives. For which cause we faint not. In other words, he's not going to quit. He's going to endure. He's going to persevere. He's going to finish this. Listen, don't question that. Don't don't get to the point. "I, I don't know if I'm going to finish this. Stop. Right there, stop. You would agree if I said this statement to you that with God you could finish. Everybody would say yes then believe it. No, with Lord's help, I'm finishing. This isn't going to win. This isn't going to beat me. For which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Paul said, I'm facing a lot. I'm taking a beating. And he was literally. But he said, my inward man is great. Renewed day by day. Verse seventeen is why. For our light affliction, this is Paul saying what he went through was a light affliction. You know, being stoned, dragged out for dead, being raised up, beaten and beaten, and beaten, whipped, scourged, forsaken. The 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 heaviness of the weight on him of the churches, the Gnosticism coming in, the errors coming in, the Judaizers coming in, and Paul—all this on his mind, all this on his weight, trying to get these people to do right. And he calls it a light affliction, which is but for a moment. Look at this: worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, why we look not at the things which are seen. But the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But the things which are not seen are eternal. Here's what's going to help you endure to persevere, to finish the right purpose, and to keep your eyes on the eternal. What it's all about. We face a lot of challenges in life. We do. We face different challenges. Stay focused on God. Was that not true of David, how he won? Remember, when David went after Goliath, David never thought he had to take Goliath on in his own strength. He never did. I mean, when the fight began, the guy's not even nervous. He runs at him. It's time for the battle to start. Remember Saul put his arm on, get get this off me, I I don't need this. And he takes off after Goliath. Again, I've mentioned it many times. I I, I think about two sermons I have on David and Goliath. I have not a doubt in my mind that Goliath never, ever fought a man who took off after him. He thought, well, this this guy's nuts. What in the world? He's probably 5'2", 122 pounds, and he has a rock But within seconds, Goliath was dead, and his head was off. And that 17-year-old was holding it up in the air. You want to know why? Different than the entire army, David never put his eyes on the circumstances. He kept them on God. He was the one who endured. You stay focused on God Not on the circumstances. If you get your eyes on the circumstances, you are very likely to quit. You are. You let those overwhelming circumstances, you just dwell on that and dwell on that. Listen, dwell on the goodness of God. Get your mind out of that pit. Listen, I've been there. One of the worst times was when, he must be preaching over in junior church, was when your dad left left me in P&G. You can, you can yell at him for that when you guys get home. He saved one extra year after high school to help us. And then it's time for him to head off to Bible college. And Marianne's going with him. And I was doing all right. All right, till the drive. after Me and the girls and Levi. Levi was just tiny at the time. We pulled off by the side of the, just, just the one runway there on the island. And we watched it take off. And then, just like this enormous weight hit me. I'm driving. It's just, a, it's just like a, not even a two-minute drive, literally, not even a two-minute drive back to the guest house. I, I get back to the guest house, and I get out of the car. I'm not saying a word. And not up or anything like that, just completely collapsed. Whew. Heather and Rachel had grabbed me and helped me up, and I just started weeping. And then I get, and things would get worse. i get back. I get down to the works. I was supposed to preach that morning. I did not. Uh, in Kavian, where Terry Thrun was actually. Terry ended up preaching that morning. Went down to Namatanai. That Monday. Now it's a Monday. Um, a day later. I find out some people come to my office from the work in Kudukudu. Kudu, the man I've been pouring my heart into, training to be the pastor of that work, just disqualified himself. That wasn't it. It wasn't done yet. The heaviness continued. I had another major spiritual battle taking place within the church, found out later on that afternoon. Then I had to go to the west coast. On the way over the west, you might think this is not a big deal, but it was there. On the way over to the west coast in this little remote island, I get a flat tire. I was done. Sat on the side of the road, and I was ready to quit. Just completely ready to quit. Marion wasn't there. I did not have that to go to for any strength whatsoever. Um, I just sat there and I was done. I'm like, I, I can't do this. I can't. I, I I don't agree with this. And 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 then I started to remember, I'm having a bit of a pity party. And then, you know how the Lord reminded him, It wasn't like convicting, like, get up, you idiot. It wasn't. I mean, I'm sure he wanted to do that. But it was just thoughts of his goodness. Maybe. You know what all he was trying to do? Is to try to get my eyes off my circumstances. Because th- the truth is, even if that happens in the ministry, I'm not there for the ministry. I'm there for God. That's his burden. I'm there with the privilege to serve him. That hasn't changed. So when the purpose got off a little bit, I had trouble with the circumstances. Listen, there's a battle for your mind. There's a battle for it. Go to the Lord. Put it in the right place. Help me to stay focused on you. With heads bowed and eyes closed.